Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. Today's guest is Willie. Willie is the person that I interviewed uh, for the preface of my book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole. He has a very interesting story. Uh, he used to be a very strong believer in a lot of conspiracies, including the chemtrails conspiracy theory. And he eventually found his way out, in part with thanks to the uh, people at Metabunk, but also on other forums like uh, Above Top Secret. He has a very interesting story about uh, how he got in and out of the rabbit hole, and he shares some interesting thoughts on how his perspective has changed uh, since he escaped the rabbit hole. So, Willie, uh, welcome to uh, Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Thank you. It's good to be here. Very good to see you again. This is the first time I've actually seen you. We talked on the phone when I interviewed you uh, two years ago today, you say it was. Yep, exactly to the day. It's kind of a funny coincidence. Yeah. And, of course, you are the person who is uh, the the prologue to my book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole. And right. uh, you're, the interview I did with you then and the, the kind of the, the little mini chapter that I wrote about it, I think, really set the tone for the book. And, yeah, it's yeah. cool it worked out like that. Yeah, it it did. Uh, some people actually they asked me if you were a made up person. <laughs> nope. Or or some people asked uh if if you were me. Like some people thought that I was writing this prologue as if, you know, I'm telling my own story. Uh and of course, you know, you're nothing nothing at all like me. Right. <laughs> no. Uh no. It, but yeah, it was really, really great to have your story. I think to 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 open the book. So let's let's kind of like just kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to touch base with you because it's been two oh, years. Okay. Yeah. And so, like you know, like maybe just we'll go through the story uh, again yeah. and then just see, sure. you know, has that anything changed? And uh, you know, what's what's how your perspective has changed and how it fit in with the other things that we we've learned since then. Okay, the short version of that story. Uh, starts with me getting into uh, the chemtrail conspiracy theory through Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Uh And uh, I think it was probably in the mid to late 90s, and I think it was probably Dane Wigington uh, coming on the show or somebody else. I remember back uh, then it was more talk about... um, chemtrails are either for mind control or making people sick through Morgellons disease or something like that. It was kind of something that I used as entertainment. Uh, I was living in a cabin in the woods and AM radio was like one kind of source of information that I could get there. And um, so, and as I mentioned, uh, or in your book, it says, you know, I at some point kind of got tired of waking up every morning scared to death of uh you know that the world's gonna end basically and you know now i see that stuff as you know a type of fear porn is what some people call that kind of thing yeah uh so that was in the early 90s then i kind of had more connections to what the conspiracy theory was doing at the time of like 99 or 2000 through a website called um what the heck was it called the history what really happened yeah what really happened (laughs) right yeah and that guy he was kind of an aggregator of other conspiracy theories like he he linked to rents and he linked to uh the early days of um 
of uh, Prison Planet or mm, that whole Alex Jones. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. And uh, and it was for me. Uh, I hadn't had much experience with computers or the internet, and um, I only had a few little places that I went to. So it was like my local newspaper, and I commented to to people there, and then like maybe Yahoo News or something, and then this conspiracy site, which seemed like to be giving me, you know, alternative information that, uh, I don't know, it seemed kind of real at the time. And the the interesting thing uh, about my story was the thing that led me furthest down the rabbit hole was the thing that also got me out, and that was the ballast tank pictures. And... Um, and so, uh, and I was on the uh, Above Top Secret forum. I don't think I was a signed-in person. I was just observing conversations there. Right. But by this time, I had seen one day on what really happened. They said they presented the ballast tanks as smoking gun evidence. So now I know that's called priming, and like, you know, like, hey, you're gonna get this information, and it's gonna be smoking gun evidence, and then you see it, and they're like, oh. Yeah, that worked on me. Like the headlines <laughs> and, uh, that they, they put. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I believed it, and I just swallowed that. And um, I was like, you know, there was a moment. I've heard other people in your podcast kind of describe that, like Paul describes it, and he says, you know, oh, this is real. And that's mm -hmm. what it seemed like to me, too. Like, oh, this is really real. There's the visual evidence. I've been told it's smoking gun. I'm looking at it. It looks like smoking gun evidence to me. And, uh, you know, I didn't. It didn't change my life in any great way. I didn't go around telling everybody that the sky is falling, but I would like mention that stuff, like in comments. Like if I'd sign off on a comment, I'd say stuff like "9/11 was the inside job," which I believe that stuff too. But one day on Above Top Secret, somebody showed the sources of those the tank pictures. You know, they're from an aviation mm -hmm. website. And it's clear to me that someone had either didn't know the source of that information or they had done the cropping themselves and cropped out the copyright, don't share this type stuff. And so all of a sudden, I now have the thought that the conspiracy theorist people are lying mm -hmm. <laughs> or misrepresenting the facts. And, it, and then the one other thing that kind of was helpful with that was, and I don't think I mentioned this in the book, was I was doing some counseling uh, with he was a he's a Jungian counselor here in town and uh, I had just gotten some money when my grandmother passed away and I thought it'd be a good idea just to get some counseling um, not because I was having any major problems in my life but I had read a lot of Jung and I thought that those were kind of cool ideas and I thought that maybe since I had this little extra money, I could spend some on making myself more individuated. <laughs> hmm. um, and so he actually, we were talking one day and he mentioned something like how he said, he characterized the town of Olympia as full of woo. And I thought for a minute, I hadn't really ever heard that description. And this is a guy that I looked up to and seems like, uh, you know, I enjoyed talking with him, and so I kind of gave him some credulity, I guess, or something. And mm -hmm. I thought, 
thought to myself, well, yeah, there is a lot of strange, you know, belief in here. It's like, you know, earwax candles. <laughs> yeah. And like you, and, we and set I, out the, in the book, uh, like you know, the very, the second sentence was, uh, his hometown was, as he puts it, a very liberal hippie dippy kind of community. Exactly. Which it is. And there's all kinds of alternative health, things going on and you know that's great it creates a whole industry and people who wouldn't have these pretty cool jobs now have jobs doing this stuff that may or may not have provable uh, effects but it's you know and so there's stuff like that is acupuncture or gosh i don't want to like offend people but anyway um there's lots of alternative type of stuff going on around here but um the effect so just the cool thing about what it was for me was people say no one ever has ever changed anybody's mind online, but that's not true, at least mm-hmm. for my case. And it wasn't from being involved in any kind of discussion. I was not signed in and commenting. I know we've both gone back and trying to find the thread and I can't find it. But it doesn't matter because all that had to happen was I was an observer and I saw this happen and my mind changed almost instantly. And then with and then I found your website after that because someone in the thread was either from Metabunk or it was you, I don't know. Uh, and then I found Metabunk. And after that, I spent a couple of years going through all the forums, looking at all the different threads. I mean, uh, the, the Passport thread is still, I think, one of the coolest threads on that whole site. Uh, and then so I kind of started with this new kind of skeptical attitude and probably – uh, dove right into that, maybe foolishly, thinking that this is some way that's going to, uh, I'm going to be able to debunk myself to the truth. <laughs> but things like the word truth or the word belief now are really complicated for me to talk about. Mm. And for example, like I talk to people now about conspiracy theories, and it's a uh, takes a lot of them aback when I say I used to play for your team. <laughs> I understand that you think I'm a shill and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of them are, they, they can't even believe. They say yeah. no one that goes down the rabbit hole ever comes back out. Or um, they just find it to be kind of, a, they just, they can't believe it. It's hard to believe. I hear that a lot, actually. And when I was doing my original research for the book, I, I went on with the 9-11 forums and I asked you know, are there any former 9-11 truthers here who would like to talk to me uh, for my book? And people would say, you will never find a former 9-11 truther. Because yeah. once your mind is open to this this reality, then you can never go back. And, and I think that's, that's something true. that... I know it's certainly not true because I know lots of former 9-11 truthers. Yeah. And a lot of the people who are interviewed in the book are you know, former 9-11 truthers. And people do. Uh, people do stop being 9-11 truthers. My last interview was with a guy who didn't really stop believing. He just stopped kind of Got doing tired. activism. <laughs> but, uh, I kind of feel like give him another 10 years, uh, maybe he'll uh, he'll stop believing too. But uh, it's interesting. You kind of said uh, at one point you know, just earlier just now that you, know, you kind of woke up and you, uh, you were tired of feeling scared about you know, being being scared that the world was going to end. Yeah, but that's not what got me out. I still no. was just scared. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, you re- you still recognize though that it was uh, you know a negative thing, like these these apocalyptic uh, ideas. Yeah, you know, but uh, you make you make trade offs though, because you're like, well, yes, I know this heavy knowledge, but also I know this heavy knowledge and no one else does, and like it kind of feels good, you know. Paul described it as it's like a drug. I think I use some of the same languages. Yeah, and I think that's common feeling um yeah somebody contacted me recently like a, a young college kid like he was like 17 or 18 and he was telling me like he keeps having all these thoughts about conspiracies and fears about the end of the world and he wanted me to try to stop it but the way he was talking it was almost like he knew it was like a drug to him he, he couldn't yeah. stop it because he kept getting drawn back in his mind kept going to that place even though he didn't really want to he he recognized it was a negative thing but he was like oh but what about this what about this it's kind of like hypochondriacs as well you know people who are always looking up their illnesses uh on on the internet and then thinking yeah. oh yeah i've got i've got a bump on my arm what is it it's cancer you know i don't feel well i i've got to, you know some disease like people it's your your mind kind of gets sucked into these ways of thinking and it's very very difficult to get out yeah, I just discovered, I sent you a link on Facebook to a group called, um, uh, what's it called? Something Debunked. It's like the end of the world debunked. Yeah. Doomsday. Doomsday oh, yeah. Debunked. And it's a similar thing. It's like people go there because they want to have their fears <laughs> taken away. There's mm-hmm. like this guy that responds to all of them with some great information. And he just explains, you know, this is how they get their reporting wrong. And it's usually like just too much fear mongering about global about ice melting on the polar caps and stuff like that and uh so yeah i think it does do harm i i i am um, i i've often heard people say you know well, what does it matter what i believe how it's not hurting anybody mm-hmm. but there's a whole scale of how it does hurt people from all the way up to the pizzagate uh shooter guy uh down to simple things with you know relationships with friends and family getting worse off oh yeah Um, yeah yeah definitely and yeah just for the individual like the people who are just afraid of things exactly this kind of crippling fear this this kid i was talking to he was he was actually i think he was going to college like you know starting at college and yeah this is something that when you're a 17 18 year old kid if you're spending all your time worrying about uh the coming apocalypse in the next year or two your college is going to suffer. You're not yeah. going to be able to get on with life. So it's going to be very, very damaging to the individual. You know, sure, like if you're just some um, retired person sat at home occasionally reading about 9-11 theories just for entertainment, yeah, that may be fine. But for a lot of people, it's very, very real and it's very, very impactful on their lives. And it, it's also wasteful. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's really wasteful. Like there's all these people very concerned about 9-11 still mm-hmm. and they could be you know channeling that or chemtrails could be channeling that into you know global climate climate change activism instead of you know yeah there's this. all these real problems yeah. uh that, i mean even if you, some people like the if they're very suspicious conspiratorial people a lot of the times they don't believe climate change is real but there's lots of you know even if they're not going to get straight into that there's lots of very real issues in you know whatever country you're in, like, like in America, there's there's problems with uh, with corruption. 
there's problems yeah. with you know, the way elections work. Uh, there's problems with uh, you know corporations like starting to have undue influence. Like, and if people can focus more on real issues like that, you know, that's part yeah. of the reason I do it. I see all these people getting distracted, and they're often people who are very eloquent people. Yeah, like if you it's look true. at like uh, Dane Wigington. He he, <laughs> he speaks very persuasively. Yeah, I mean, especially if you believe the subject matter that he's talking about, then he, he speaks very persuasively, and he gets people riled up, and you know he gets people organized, and he does things. But he's kind of wasting his life by going down this rabbit hole of. Uh, covert geoengineering where he thinks that these planes are spraying things in the sky and if if he could he could really contribute to the world in a, a much more positive way if he actually was focusing on something that was real rather than something that that wasn't yeah um he i think you know way more about him but i think i've read that he kind of doesn't really believe in what he's selling. He's selling stuff kind of from his website, right? No, I don't, I don't think he actually makes money from what he oh, does. Okay. I think he actually is a genuine true believer. Oh, okay. Um, I think perhaps he, he, he might, I wouldn't say lie exactly, but he, he really does avoid debunkings. Like if you explain something to him, he won't even give it the time of day. Like he has no, these claims. Blocked- I tried blocked, to like, do yeah. some debunking on his Facebook page and he blocked me without even saying anything. There's like things like, you know, the, the, bar- the ballast barrels that we were talking about earlier. This is this famous photograph of some barrels in a plane that you know, everyone says they're full of chemicals. This is what the chemtrails right. are sprayed from. And there's all these different ones. And actually, I just saw that come up today. Uh, somebody on Twitter mentioned that she'd seen a photograph of Donald Trump on a chem plane with barrels. Yeah, I think I've seen uh, that. Yeah, and there's this photo. It's just him is examining the latest. I don't know where it's like a um, seven eight seven or something like that. And yeah. it's because it's a prototype plane. It has these barrels, ballast barrels on it, which are just full of water that they use for for weight and balance. But it's still going. Yeah, I mean, you you saw this this thing back uh, like in the early two thousands or something like that. It was in twenty thirteen. Oh, 2013. Um, okay. Yeah, 2012 uh, yeah, or 2013, already. I think. All right. And um, yeah, I, I can't find it again. But you know, I think uh, you've mentioned elsewhere that this stuff will always just keep coming back up, and you just got to be patient yeah. and just show people the other information. And you know, a, a lot of what has uh, really resonated to me about your book is well, and your website first is the politeness factor. That mm-hmm. is a huge thing that, you know, that surprises people because everybody's used to getting flamed uh, online and be called names. And so, number one, I think that's super effective. And the other thing that's super effective is how you kind of say that it's not useful to even, like, think of consp- people who believe in conspiracy theorists as um, having a mental problem or... Mm-hmm. Or not being smart, uh, or anything like that. That it's just a situation where they just don't have all the information that they might find useful. And the the way you describe staying in contact with someone over a long time, and just being there to you know ha- have a continuing con conversation. 
Oh, I've kind of tried to adopt that with the conversations that I have to various friends who are down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And um, I also liken it to um, the guy who invented, I think it's Tai Chi, and I think his name is um, Ip Man. Uh, He has this little saying that kind of outlines the philosophy behind Tai Chi, which is like a sticky hand type of martial arts where you stick your hands right out and get the guy um and it's greet what arrives escort what leaves and rush upon loss of contact and i just (laughs) i use that as a way to kind of maintain the conversations like someone will send me a conspiracy theory you know and want me to comment on it usually because i have kind of this ongoing challenge with some of my friends like i'm not aware of a conspiracy theory which turned out to be true is basically what I'm saying. Because um, I want to be proven wrong, number one, because there's got to be you know one out there. The closest that I can come up with is maybe the case of Gary Webb, the guy who was reporting on the CIA drug running, and he was writing for a small newspaper. And uh, are you familiar with that guy? I, I think I've, I've heard it because there was a film made... Uh, yeah, there was a film made, yeah. and uh, I think, well, I think he ended up committing suicide, and that's, like, the closest I can find to, like, yeah. something that it was a conspiracy theory, and then later we found it, and it was true, and I don't even know. It's, a lot of people bring up uh, conspiracies that were discovered later, but... That's not the same thing, It's though. not the same thing, no, because that's, <laughs> that's what people don't understand. A, a conspiracy theory has to have been theorized about at some point for it to be a conspiracy theory. If it's just something you discover later, that's just a conspiracy that you discover later. Right. Conspiracy yeah. theories where everybody's going, oh, well, you know, the, uh, you know, whatever. Nixon is, is taping people in the, uh, in the hotel. No one was right. making theories about that. No one was, right. was, was, was doing theories about, you know, what was going on there until some evidence like cropped yeah. up i suppose you could kind of say that watergate for a while might have been considered a conspiracy theory yeah there was some evidence that something was going on and nixon was denying wrongdoing so but it's not really a conspiracy theory that that's just more like you know like here's the facts and you're you're kind of about to be indicted or you're going to trial it's not like every single trial doesn't involve a conspiracy theory it's right. uh it's a different type of thing so yeah brian dunning has like a you know his thing is the skeptoid mm-hmm. media and he's got a page that are like eight conspiracy theories that turned out to be true question mark and then yeah. um, goes through and kind of tells the story basically you know like the tuskegee airmen well that's like you were saying that's not a conspiracy theory that turned out to be a conspiracy it's just a conspiracy that was real the, the syphilis thing not, not the airmen Oh, was it? Okay, yeah, the syphilis thing. And then, um, oh, he talks about uh, Martin Luther King, you know, the guy basically was a racist with a gun that shot him. There's no conspiracy. Yes, the government was spying on him, but that wasn't the conspiracy theory, you know. And um, I guess the guy wrote a book about it, which somebody's told me explains this conspiracy theory but the guy was trying to make money off of it and so i'm pretty skeptical of that i'm skeptical of everything nowadays <laughs> well i and read I... a book so <laughs> just because people write books i didn't think you should automatically be skeptical of them uh it's uh... no i wouldn't be skeptical of that but i think well like one day i got to think about evil and 
So hmm. I just typed into Google because, you know, somebody used the word evil. And I thought, no, well, I'm not sure if I believe in evil. And so I just typed into Google evil skepticism. And I found a page on Stanford University website talking about all these philosophers that don't believe that we should talk about things in terms of evil because things like uh, it is more explanatory to just say what someone did than to say that they're evil, like they're a murderer. You don't mm-hmm. need to say they're evil. Or uh, um, the whole problem of using evil kind of invokes a system of belief that you may or may not believe in or something. So I, I can find uses for skepticism everywhere. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because uh, evil, you know, people think of evil, well, some people, like religious people especially, will think of evil as being kind of like a fundamental force and it's, it's this there's good and there's evil. But you know, for other people, it's a bit more you know, relative and it's a bit of an abstract concept in a way. It is, evil has some kind of intent and there's things that happen which don't have intent behind them that people might say are evil so you know which i think whenever you get a word where the usage is confusing it is like you just said you just say what's happening just describe what's actually going on rather than trying to put a label on let's say this is evil you know say these children are being tortured yeah it's It's just a way to be more accurate and uh get rid of the stuff that doesn't do the good work yeah, one thing that actually really resonated with a lot of people uh, from your your thing in the book was when you said that uh, you went to your friends and you, you told them you didn't believe nine eleven was an inside job anymore. Yeah, and uh, this was you, wasn't it? They said like, yeah. uh, "Are you are you a Republican, Republican now?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> that was the guy I used to get some stuff from yeah so he was yeah he was pretty incredulous and he couldn't believe that i didn't believe that stuff and uh he he hasn't been able to really talk to me since this is another thing that happens yeah as people kind of just break off communication with me because they think they don't think i'm part of their tribe or something anymore you know there is a whole lot of camaraderie that's in conspiracy theory circles almost a spiritual camaraderie, I would call it. Um, Rory kind of connected with that a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, some people have just kind of shut me out. Uh, and I, it's sad to me, but also, you know, there's like the Kermit the Frog meme <laughs> about should I debunk this? And yeah, I should just, just do it debunk this. <laughs> like, that's kind of what I think. I'm like, oh, if it's, if I can just offer the truth, you know, or not the mm-hmm. truth, but just some information that the other person might not have, I should offer that information, whether or not the person's ready. And this is where I'm at, actually. I think I could do a better job at being supporting people on an emotional level, which I'm not doing a very good job of that. Like, mm. I'm kind of engaging with their intellect but i'm forgetting to talk to them as a person i guess or you know so this guy that you talked to and you told him about 9-11 and then he kind of cut you off uh would you go back and do it differently now well yeah i would because it didn't work um right (laughs) round two work 
Um, I mean, what, what do you think went wrong, though? Were you just too abrupt? Were you kind of mocking it, or did he just come across wrong? I didn't spend enough time caring for him. Mm. Like, I should have probably done a better job at, like, um, you know, telling himself, like, hey, I love you, and I know the information that you know, but I've discovered some new information, and maybe you ought to sit with me and let's take a look together. Like, that seems like a really... I haven't been able to do that with a whole lot of people. I've tried, and, you know, a lot of times when you're a conspiracy theorist, you have a lot of... It's pretty easy to not get nailed down on something. You can switch to, like, the next oh, yeah. top uh, really quick. So you're on 9-11 one moment, and then all of a sudden someone wants to talk to you about, hey, well, here's a story of how this passport could have gotten shot out of the other side of the building and you're like, well, never mind. I want to talk about chemtrails now. <laughs> yeah, or even just something else in the 9-11 sphere because people have an endless list. Yeah, and then also the difference between cynicism and skepticism mm -hmm. uh, has also become really seemingly important to me. And, the, uh, and so there's this great uh, Gillette pen uh, video on, yeah. Yeah, on on the... YouTube where he talks about the difference between skepticism and um, cynicism, and he says that cynicism is questioning people's motivations, and skepticism is questioning evidence. And also, that's a really good thing about mm. your site is basically you're not talking about. You can just forget about the question of what people's motivations are. Generally, I believe most people are good people. Just you know, like Keith was saying in your uh, interview with him, you're trusting that thousands and thousands of people are not going to whist blow, blow the whistle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I do. I've relied on the uh, uh, kindness of strangers to get around this world and... I generally think most people are good. I can just get rid of the question of what are people's evil intentions and just look at what is the evidence presented. And and I know a little bit better now than I used to. I know there's tons of room for improvement, but I know a little bit better about how to look something up. Like I didn't used to know what confirmation bias was. And so like I would just go, hmm, I have a doubt in my mind that controlled demolition was involved in building seven so i just google controlled demolition building seven yeah. and what do you know i found all kinds of evidence for it but you know then that's something like, i've heard uh like people have told me that they they start to have doubts and so they'll kind of run off and watch lots of videos yeah uh, that support their belief because they're they're feeling uncertain right uh, and i never was... got into the video thing oh, uh, that, that's interesting. that much I'm skeptical of videos because uh, they, I think video does a real good job at bypassing our intellect and working on us on an emotional level, and I don't trust that so much. Mm -hmm. And so I don't watch any video news. I don't watch television. I work with video screens right. all day long, so I don't really care to watch screens when I get home, but I do play video games, and that reminds me of a question that I wanted to ask you, because you're 
former video game programmer. And what it is is that I um I recently started to notice my behavior in a video game. I'm playing Red Dead Redemption, which is like a cowboy world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um I started to notice myself looking at my character and kind of comparing my look of my character to the other characters in the game. And then I got to thinking, like, is there that? I think that's probably some kind of, like, evolutionary psychology, like, Hmm. thing that works in our brains, you know, where you're constantly comparing yourself to members of your tribe, maybe, and looking and seeing... Well, how you compare, and you know, that's just yeah, something I think, so. I think our brains do, and um, and so, but then the question I had for you, I'm so glad we got to talk today, is, do you think that there is a, an understanding of how video games might talk to that part of our brain from an evolutionary psychology point of view? Because you got these games like Minecraft, which are basically. Oh, yeah like how to survive in your environment and they would appeal to that type of that part of our brain that we evolved in order to survive in that environment and yeah. so i just wonder if that's something that is known or maybe you're too far away from it now or no no people definitely do think about uh, psychology when they're designing video games it was you know kind of less so back in the early days because they were so simple but as they got bigger and bigger and they get you know more and more money involved in it people definitely do think about the psychology you know i i would i would think about you know the what's going through the mind of the person uh when they you know they encounter a certain thing when i was designing video games and i'm sure now there's probably people who consult with psychologists and things like that uh to figure yeah, I was out thinking what's going it would on make a lot of sense to do that yeah and i think a, a lot of the things that you see in games have kind of not not evolved exactly, but they've kind of been filtered out by natural selection into the types of things that appeal to people on a primal level. Yeah, and I think that, that you is. Know, you enjoy a certain exploration, or you you enjoy getting rewards. You enjoy discovering a cache of weapons, which is or a cache of of food. Uh, you know the latest uh, Zelda game on the N- Nintendo Switch. That's is, an amazing has game. cooking in it. He has yeah, collecting food and That's, cooking. That is the best game I think I've seen so far. That is an amazing game. Yeah, um, and that's it's almost like going back to your the primitive roots of humankind, and that uh, it's appealing directly to the you know the, the 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 evolved brain, which is all about surviving and yeah. uh, propagating your genes, I guess. And I guess yeah, that looking at other people thing is probably something to do with genetic diversity and and seeing like you know are my genes better than his genes do i have a chance like which female should i try to mate with which one is exactly. that guy going to mate with things like that it's very simple primal things which uh yeah you, we don't have control over them they're just natural things you can't help right. what your reaction think, is when you look at someone you find attractive yeah yeah and i think it's um I think conspiracy theories kind of work with that same part of our brain a little bit um, because, like, actual conspiracies, I think you would probably agree, are just kind of like the way that a lot of work gets done in the world. Like, it's in football. I mean, it's in yeah. everything. Well, yeah, uh, corruption. Yeah, yeah corruption, of yeah. course. 
Uh, I, I always forget to mention that, and then people think I just believe everything the government <laughs> says, which I just yeah, think, no, which we should nobody nobody that believes that. <laughs> don't believe anything they say. Always check it, but uh, but I think that's also kind of part of that evolutionary brain where we're always kind of going, mm-hmm. how can I use a coalition to defeat that coalition or, or something like that? And so there are, I mean, it makes sense to me that we're kind of predisposed to believe in these things because our brains are basically big threat detection machines that, yeah, you know, that's what they're trained to do is look for problems. Except that they don't look for problems on a, on a global scale or a national scale, which is what conspiracies are. They're looking for yeah. problems like within the tribe. So your brain is trying to apply these these thought processes that work within a tribe, like you know, maybe that guy is stealing my food, right? You know, or the people across the other side of the hill are bad. Uh, we should protect ourselves against those people. Like these things, these very primitive things that work well when you're in a little tribal unit, they don't work well when you're operating on a on a broader scale and you're trying to think, you know, what's the motivation of the government. Yeah, when you were saying you, you, it's the same way you're thinking about whatever the the tribal leader, you know, ten thousand years ago, you're now thinking about the president who has a completely different set of priorities to some guy who has a tribe with fifty people in it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, the because it's not the same situation, you get these primitive uh, instincts and these these primitive natural biases and. Uh, uh, predilections for things that worked in the past and now don't work and this kind of corruption of those leads to things like conspiracy theories i think this is part of my theory anyway yeah so what do you think um so is i was just talking to my uh my boss and he was making fun of uh, flat earthers today and <laughs> i was so, i was telling him that i don't think it's very useful to make fun of them or to call them dumb or or anything i said that they're probably just don't have access to all the information that you or I might think we have and that Mm -hmm. they're probably sincere truth seekers and um but what 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 is what's your take is like is that on the rise like flat earth it it kind of is I think it had its moment where it's it kind of bumped up partly because of YouTube's algorithms, which, you know, they've, they've kind of changed that now. If you look for Flat Earth on YouTube, you don't get the Flat Earth videos so much. You get you get yeah, articles from BuzzFeed or whatever about, about Flat Earth. So I think it's kind of had its moment where there was this kind of, it went viral in a way, and a lot of okay. people started looking at it. But I don't think there's anything other than that which is driving this this interest in Flat Earth. It's just this viral thing. But yeah, I think the Flat Earth people... They encompass, uh, to a large extent, the same range as ordinary people. You know, you always talk about the bell curve distribution of things like intelligence and ability, and most people are in the middle. You know, ninety-nine percent of the people are, you know, in a fairly, you know, not narrow but not particularly wide range in the middle. And then you've got like very intelligent people off off to one side, and you've got a lot of people. You know, half of the half of the people in the world are below average intelligence which uh, no one likes to think that they might be below average intelligence, but... I might be. I might be below average intelligence. And no one even likes to think that their friends might be below average intelligence as well, because it's going to rubs off on you by association. So everyone like thinks, oh, yeah, I'm like, my IQ is 120, when the average IQ is 100. So 
obviously there's going to be lots of people out there who are not intelligent and they're not believers in the flat earth. Yeah, the people who right. the people who actually are in flat earth, a lot of them, I think they have reasonably high IQs. If anything, yeah. they think a little bit too much. Yeah, no, but those truths, you know, once you see them for the first time, like I'm not, uh, I don't know math very well. And I look at some of those and they're very confusing. Like I'm mm. like, wow, well, that does kind of make sense. And why is that? And, you know, I do, you know, believe in, pictures from nasa and stuff so i can easily say uh that's a bunch of hooey but um some people like the the woman that you interviewed um yeah sasha yeah she was she wanted to find out for herself and that's you know that's respectable i think it is but if you can't do the math then (laughs) how are you going to do it how are you going to determine what's real and what isn't if you can't if you don't really have the mental tools to do it uh, a lot of people feel like they should be able to figure it out, but you know they they don't know the math, so that they can only get a certain distance along with the explanation, right. and then you know they can't figure out what the radius of the Earth is. So right. what, what are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. I just learned about something called the. It's not the illusory. It's the. It's like the illusion of you being able to explain something, mm. and uh, do you know what I'm talking about? People will say. With high confidence, they could tell you how a toilet works. And then <laughs> when they try to explain how it works, and then they can't, and they yeah. will then say, no, I'm not very confident in my ability to explain something. And so that it's a, brings It's a great example, uh, the toilet thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the examples they give are a toilet, a zipper, and a ballpoint pen, which I can't tell you how any of those things. Yeah, work. I th- anyone should go out and try to explain those if they think they're they're good at uh, understanding right. and explaining things. Right, but it brings up then why we should value people who are experts in their fields mm-hmm. uh, and authorities, and really, like I think my old debate coach used to tell me that um, <clears throat> there's value to the, our national parks, even if you never go to them, cause you just know they're there. Hmm. And the same thing with, uh, with experts in the field, like they're there. There are people who devote their whole life. Like with climate change, there's a great communicator on climate change. Her name is Catherine Hayhoe and she's accessible. Like I've sent her messages on Facebook and she's replied with, you know, an expert opinion on things. And so, yeah, I think people, people should understand that their sphere of influence is as big as anyone you can talk to. Like if you can talk to somebody, that's the person is in your sphere of influence. And, uh, and the same is true with experts. And we can, you can call up David Keith and talk to him and man, what, that was just a great interview. I loved it. Yeah, David Keith is uh, he's very accessible. He's an interesting. You know, he's a he's a target of conspiracy theorists. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, he's not a, not afraid of talking to them. He will actually go and actually hold uh, discussions with with conspiracy theorists and try to explain things to them because he you know he's a guy who he he cares about people. Yeah, you know, he's concerned. I think yeah you know, for the people themselves, but also for the harm that they might do. Yeah, you know, he's had he's had death threats. Yeah, uh, which is which is pretty terrible. You know, it's all based right. on this complete misunderstanding, and uh, you know, people. I, you know, I think the the promoters of these conspiracy theorists uh, really need to consider what they're doing. See, the thing is that these promoters, 
think that they are correct. So say, you know, Dane Wigginton, he thinks that he is correct in saying that David Keith is, is part of some giant plot. Right. So, but he's causing harm, but from his perspective, he thinks he's doing the right thing, which makes it very, very difficult to, to, you know, you can't tell him, Oh, don't be mean to David Keith. <laughs> and he's saying, well, yeah. I'm trying to save the world. What, what do you expect me to do? You've actually got to address his conspiracy theory rather than just you know, tell him to keep it to himself. If he could only listen to David Keith's words, then maybe he could be That's Yeah, that's the thing. Getting through to people. And like you know, with the Flat Earth people, it's obviously very hard because they don't have the mental tools to understand things. So a lot of the Flat Earth stuff is, is complicated. There's the math and the geometry involved. You know, how high is the horizon? But some of the other stuff, like the chemtrails, isn't that complicated. Uh, there's this claim that no. uh, um, the Dane Wigginton makes about high bypass jet engines. Right. Uh, he he says that high bypass jet engines can't make contrails, and then he kind of gives this explanation in terms of science. He says, "Oh, well, it, most of the thrust comes from air, and the air wouldn't make contrails." Now it's. Yeah, I guess I could see how people could not understand what the problem with, with that is. But you know, the simple answer to you know, why they make contrails is that the contrail is made by the jet exhaust. It isn't made by the thing that creates the thrust. It's not made by what's been pressed out. It's made out, you know, the, the fuel is burnt, it creates exhaust, that gets shot out the back and that mixes with the air and that makes a contrail. But how do you get that across to people? I think... I think well, Dan Wigginton has the tools, yeah. the mental tools to, to understand it, but he's completely resistant to listening to anything that will contradict his beliefs. Yeah, that's what uh, the other guy you interviewed that didn't want to be shown. He, he remember, he just Paul, said, you know, yeah. he, he would just block every single comment and just pay it. No mind, you know, just block it and move on. So I mentioned that I have trouble now with, the word truth and the term belief because it's hard for me to believe mm. in anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. or or everything like i can believe in everything equally or it's hard to believe in anything um have you what do you think about beliefs well yeah beliefs is interesting do you, you familiar with epistemology that's the study of beliefs, right? The study, yeah, it's the study of knowledge. Oh, knowledge, okay. Which gets defined as justified true beliefs. So a belief is just simply something that you personally think it is true. Right. Yeah, you know, I think I think it is true that this pen is red. I know you can't see the pen, so you're gonna to have to trust it. Trust me <laughs> with this. But <laughs> I have a pen here, it is red, it looks red. I, I believe that it to be red. Yeah, I'm, I'm justified in, in this belief. Uh, because the, the, the wavelengths of light that are hitting my eye are red. And it's actually true. It is actually a red pen. So this is, this is knowledge. I have knowledge now that this, this pen is red. But then the, the epistemologists, the philosophers, they get into all these little, little linguistic tricks. Like what if you believe something to be true, and it was actually true, but your reason for believing it was false? It was false, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, that one. like if you, if you believe somebody was dead... Uh, because you've read an obituary of them in the paper, uh, but the obituary was wrong. It was actually about somebody else, but they were actually dead anyway. Yeah, it was just right. like another person of the same name was also dead. Do you know that person is dead? You know, you have a belief which is true, 
and it's uh, it's not justified. Right. So I think you can tie yourself up in knots with these things, and it's it's right. a bit silly in a way. Because well, yeah, I, the, I, I think that I really wanted to believe in a lot of stuff back when I was in the rabbit hole. Um, like, I've kind of, like, parallel to Rory's story, I had a lot of um, religious and spiritual mm-hmm. journeys with different paths. And at one point, I was just like, they're all part of one big path, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of was willing to believe everything. Like, give me your beliefs. I can take them all in and I can hold them all in my brain or yeah. in my whatever. And I just really wanted to believe in everything. And the more it, extreme, the better, because it was, it kind of gives you a little, what, oxytocin or something like that, serotonin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but now I just find it hard to believe in anything except for debunking. (laughs) It's it's like you, you were believing things without justification back then. You were believing things because they sounded like a good idea. Like, and they, they, they seemed like good things to believe in. Yeah. Well, and and also just the, the openness to beliefs. I think some people feel, you know, at the time in their lives, they feel that's a very positive thing. Like the flat earth lady, Sasha, yeah. she said like it was very liberating to believe in things or like open your, her mind to the possibility of these things. And just this open-mindedness, people just really enjoy. Oh, said, maybe this is true. Maybe this is true. I can, I can, I can believe anything now. Yeah, man, that reminds me of that website, The Mind Unleashed. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes I read some posts from that my friends share from The Mind Unleashed and I'm like, no, you should not have a mind unleashed. You should have a mind on a leash for some of this stuff. Well, I think it comes back to, to evidence, and that's what skepticism is about. I mean, skepticism basically means show me the evidence for this belief. It means yeah. you don't accept a belief without evidence, without the justification for the belief. You know, truth, I think, is something that is, is hard to determine absolutely. But you yeah. can certainly look at what the evidence is. You know, I have very good evidence about my red pen here. Right. I, mean, I, could t- I could take a photograph of it and put it into Photoshop and click on it and it will say red. You know, there's, I have very, very strong evidence for things like that. And we have very strong evidence that the world is a sphere. And we have very right. strong evidence that the fires and the impacts are what brought down the World Trade Center. And we have very strong evidence that the, the lines people see in the sky act exactly the same as contrails because we know what contrails are like and we know the physics of contrails and clouds and things. So we have all this evidence for these things. So it's it's fine to believe in them because they've got yeah. very strong evidence. You can always have that doubt. You can always have that little iota of doubt when maybe it isn't true if some new evidence comes along. Maybe the evidence isn't 100%, maybe it's just 99%. But then that doesn't mean you should go off and believe in something else which only has 1% of evidence. Right. Some, some silly theory like like chemtrails. You don't want to call people silly, but the, the, the theory yeah, itself is, is really like, silly. The one thing that David Keith said that I wish he didn't was um, that he said that they're not trying or willingly fooling themselves. I can't remember exactly mm. how he said but he did say that they're not trying 
and I just know that, you know, to somebody who believes in that conspiracy theory, that would be insulting to them, you know, and yeah. so wouldn't be super useful. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, a lot of people who, yeah, they feel like they've, they've done a lot of research. And yep. that's something they will say, you know, I've done my research. You know, it's, right. become almost, it's become a joke in a way, like, you know, go it do is. your own research. Right. And, <laughs> it's like, hello, if I do any research, I'd gladly share it with anybody. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, it, it's a bit silly, like telling a scientist to go do your own research. I mean, sure, he'll do his own research. But you know, if <laughs> you have some research, then, you know, let, let's let's hear it. <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind of a, a get out of jail free card like that that people play when they don't want to continue the discussion oh, yeah. so, uh but it's also because the research that they have done is difficult to to communicate yeah, yeah. like a, a guy emailed me today and he was trying to tell me about his theory uh about something to do with 9-11 like there was seven hijack six hijackers instead of five hijackers and he said just watch this video and he sent me a an hour and a half long video and then I asked him to summarize it, and then he sent me this long explanation of of, of what uh, what the video was about. And I still really didn't get it because it was just this long, kind of rambling explanation. Probably I mean, talked to text and it, no, yes, no punctuation. Like, no, it wasn't. It was it was reasonably well written. Oh, but okay. I think it was something that in his mind it made sense. Right. But because he's done all this research. He's watched all these loads and loads of videos and these chemtrail people, they, they watch all these, these videos and for them, it makes sense. And then they try to explain it to you and they can't, they say, Oh, you've got to watch, you know, right. you've got to watch this video. You've got to watch, uh, what is it? The shade video and the, uh, what in the world are they spraying? And then you've got to watch all these other videos and then watch all of Dan Wigington's videos and then read this book and then you'll understand. So they can't communicate it to you because it's, it's too much research in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my experience too. I get this one guy that just sends me videos all the time and I'm just like, I yeah. won't watch your videos. <laughs> that's what I tell the them. Because <laughs> I don't want to watch a three hour long video about lizard people or whatever. Um, yeah, but, but for them, it's, it seems like the most important thing ever. Like this was a video that opened their mind to a fundamental truth that was hidden to is. everybody. And they use language, religious type language. You know, this is the truth with a capital T. And they mm -hmm. talk about, you know, you, they say to me, you know, you're crazy because you believe this. And I'm talking about something that I don't believe, but they translate that into, well, if you don't believe this, then you must believe that the government always tells the truth or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I haven't really been able to like get through to this one guy that I've been trying to talk to. He's so his line of demarcation would probably be all the way at 10. Really? He, yeah. <laughs> He's got the, uh, Oh, something about some Anukai religion mm. involved with the Pope and the, some, structure at the vatican and really looks like a, a um like a serpent head or something like that yeah. so he's about as far down as you can go uh, but he runs the whole gamut you know uh he's um ex-military he went to my high school i he's reasonably smart i've talked to him on the phone but he gets 
and he talks about he takes he sees patterns and things also like he'll take mm. a bunch of pictures of clouds and say look there's a dragon in this one and um he'll take pictures of like rock structures and say he sees like old parts of people in them and stuff you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's got like i'm almost wondering like should i be talking to this guy because my maybe there's maybe he is some might have some mental stuff going on and i just wonder if i yeah i think you know eventually you know you do meet people who do have actual mental issues i mean sometimes they're just people who are you know, not neurotypical. They they've got their brain is just wired a bit differently, which isn't necessarily like this 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 bad negative thing. No, that's good. That's great. But it can make them be. Uh, you know, they see patterns in right. things where perhaps most people wouldn't see patterns. So sort of look at something and they'll they'll see a pattern that isn't there because their brain is very active in the you know connecting the dots department. Yeah, uh, and so it makes them more uh, susceptible to to believing these types of things, and then they end up watching some videos that connect the dots for them, and then they they kind of lost down the rabbit hole, and that can be very difficult to deal with when someone really has you know something something in their brain going on that you, you can't really you can't really reason past that. It's uh, it's a tricky a tricky thing to deal with, and you know I'm no expert in that type of thing, so I. I kind of have to say, you know, leave it to the experts if that's you know, what's actually going on. Right. No, it's like with your friend though. Like, um, you know, is it is it is it actually worth attacking them? Not attacking them, but like attacking their beliefs. Like, if someone that was very devoutly religious and their religion meant so much to them, you know, from my perspective, I, most religions are, you know, I wouldn't say they're irrational, but I think they're wrong. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody's. I wouldn't everybody's, challenge anybody's religious. No, and you know, I've I have lots of religious relatives, and I'm not yeah. going to be uh, trying to convert them to atheism uh, because I know it's just such a fundamental part of their lives. And I think, you know, if if it's not harming them, then you know, why? What's the benefit in uh, in destroying part of their their belief system? Right. But if it is harming them, like these people who believe in conspiracy theories that that are harmful, then then yeah, I can see that. But you know, if if your friend is believing something that essentially is a religion, then it's uh, it's perhaps over the line in what what you should address. You know, what you got to do a cost benefit analysis. Yeah, you know, would this person and would you and your relationship with this person benefit from attempting to debunk it? Yeah, well, I wouldn't debunk his like. Um spiritual beliefs like he gets mm. a spiritual camaraderie with the people that share his views i understand just from seeing his interactions online like you know he'll post these pictures of uh you know random things he'll he'll draw in the clouds and say see there's the dragon right, right there and people will oh you're so amazing you know what a blessed thing <laughs> yes yeah, um, i've seen groups like that on uh, on facebook and they're very supportive of each other that's the thing and i you know i don't want to mess with that because that seems yeah. you know positive to me but the part that seems bad is where well he's even a q and on uh guy mm. too and so he's he's very sure of that one that uh we're going to see yeah, well that's uh, <laughs> that's low level on the conspiracy scale so it's, oh is uh... that low level huh <laughs> I would think it's, that would be like way over well, to number ten. I'd say it's in the middle, I guess, because it's it is kind of a bit uh, strange. But it's 
it's kind of in a way almost mainstream as well because you see these QAnon people on TV and they're attending Trump rallies and they're, they're you know, in some ways they're just ordinary uh, voters who are big fans of Trump who think that this is a great thing that he's doing. You know, they're kind of low information people. They don't really have much understanding of of the world. But then, yeah, yeah. Some, of them, some of them do. It's it's kind of weird. You talk to them online and they they sometimes know quite a bit about politics and yet they've got this weird idea. It's uh, I need to talk to more QAnon people. It's uh, they're they're an interesting bunch, especially now that uh, you know I think QAnon is basically being is going away. He hasn't really posted for a while, and Eight Chan is being shut down, and maybe Four Chan too. So, oh wait, sure. so QAnon hasn't been doing releases or whatever that is. Yeah, the breadcrumbs. Uh, I think really? I think it's it's decreased a lot. I'm not really familiar. I saw. Is that because uh, the Mueller investigation came out and it really wasn't about? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it's just it's run its course. Oh, you okay. know, it's, there's some there's some guy behind it. You know, some person right. behind well, it who is just people. pulling the strings. Yeah, it's like a bunch of people doing it, and they're they're having having a lot of fun. Right, uh, it's interactive, you know. right? Because you can yeah. kind of become it's, part of this thing. It is. Uh, it's a game. It's a. It's a LARP, as they as they say, uh, live action role playing. Uh, oh, okay. It's. Uh, yeah. You know, it, people enjoy doing it. They enjoy going and in the morning and figuring out what the clues are. It's like doing the crossword. It's this fun intellectual thing, and they also think they're part of this amazing thing, which is saving the world. Right. If, if, you <clears throat> could, if, you, if they could actually step back and look at it, it makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, you know, like. Like I say, with everything from their perspective, it makes perfect sense. And so you've got to try to figure out how do you talk about it from their perspective in a way that that makes sense. Yeah, I think it'll just I think it'll just run out of steam though. Yeah, nothing is coming true. Right. So, it doesn't uh, seem like on the yeah. low information thing. Like I now consider myself a high information person, but I think mm-hmm. I used to be a lower information person. Um. <laughs> Or at least limited, like you have a limited set of information. You could be very high information and then you get a lot of information from a very narrow set of sources. Like you could be an expert on uh, on everything that Alex Jones talks about. Yeah, um, you can do that. Um, I think it's just always better to have more information. You know, you can always reject the information, but I just think I'm not like what's her name uh that's just like oh i'm open to every idea i'm not open to every idea but i will look at sources and consider you know like questions of media literacy now where Mm -hmm. i didn't question any of that stuff like (laughs) like i looked up the story of rents after i stopped believing in conspiracy theories and that's just the oh my god what a shit show (laughs) jeff rents yeah, and, Jeff uh, Renz, yeah. man. Just some weird stuff. And uh, um, <clears throat> so I think one of the aspects of coming out of the rabbit hole also is that I pay more attention to where am I getting my media. I constantly mm. am looking stuff up. Like if I see something that might just, you know, rings a bell or just kind of tugs at me the wrong way, I like I'll have. 20 or 30 tabs open in my browser at all times because I'm looking stuff up constantly. I follow Snopes on Facebook just so I have a constant stream of what the latest like Snopes yeah. things are. Um, and so I'm like, and I try to like 
get all that stuff in my social media. So I'm constantly engaged with questions about what is, is this different disinformation? Is this misinformation? Is this good information? That kind of thing. And so, yeah, um, no, it's, that's great. Like just checking, not just checking things, but having lots of information coming in. I try to look at lots of different news sources. Like I, I look at Fox news and I look at CNN, I look at Breitbart yeah. Look at MSNBC. So you got to look at all the information so that you know, you know, not only what's real in the world, but also what other people think is real in the world. Yeah, that's you know, that's a good part. Uh, it reminds me of a point in your book where you talk about the Trump making fun of the disabled reporter. Mm, yeah. Uh, and refresh my memory, it wasn't that he was. Maybe he wasn't really doing that. Is that? It it is unclear, but it was one of these issues uh, where the the people who are not fans of Trump they think it was like really obvious, like he was the guy who he had uh, I can't remember what it's called agrephaly or something, uh, yeah. some disease that makes uh, wastes his limbs and so his his arms were twisted, and Trump was kind of making a a kind of gesture where his hands were flopping around that looked like he was he was mimicking this guy. Yeah. Now, and the liberals think that, you know, this, this is Trump being a horrible, evil people. And there's, there's a meme that goes around that says, like, I can't understand why this wasn't the end of it. Because right, everyone thinks, exactly. like, well, he, he did this horrible thing. Why didn't that just end it? But all the Trump supporters, they say that's been debunked. So in their minds, it was just this kind of um, this fake news thing from the mainstream media. And they, they cite the fact that. Uh, he actually made very, very similar hand movements when he was making fun of Ted Cruz. Okay. He was saying, oh, Ted Cruz doesn't know what he's talking about. And he was waving his hands around in the same way. And so they, 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 they pass it off as just being something that he does sometimes whenever he's making fun of anybody, he waves his hands around like this. And so in the mind of the Trump supporter is this thing where they think that he did nothing wrong. In the minds of the liberal, they think it's this horrible, evil thing. And you you never get one side understanding where the other side is coming from. The Trump supporters think that the liberals uh, have been duped by the mainstream media. Right, they talk about the, that constantly. <laughs> yeah, the liberals think the Trump supporters are just you know, brainwashed idiots because they, they believe that it was fake news when it, in their minds it obviously wasn't. I mean, if you go to if you go to Snopes and look it up, and they mark it as you know, unclear, like like partially true or dubious. And if you go to Politifact, they they have a similar assessment. Now I think that you know he probably was uh, mocking him, but it's it's hard to tell. Right, to tell. and there's something called the need for cognitive closure that I recently learned about, uh, and some people have a real <laughs> a uh, short time frame where they will allow themselves to feel like there's no closure mm -hmm. on the subject. And then other people have very open amount of time. Like, you know, the jury's out on that. I don't know is an acceptable answer to some of those people. And so I'm okay with like, I don't have a serious need for cognitive closure on stuff like that. It's okay that it's kind of fuzzy and yeah. that's just okay. On yeah. that fake, fake news thing though one of the things that uh really bothers me about how that got has become part of the i guess you would say like lexicon or something 
is that it just allows people to respond to something they don't like with just that term and mm -hmm. there's absolutely no critical thinking at all happening when people just say oh yeah, that's yeah. And people people say yeah that's been debunked if it's something that they, <laughs> they don't true. like yeah they'll say oh, oh well snopes has been debunked so if you send right. me any any it's article from snopes Snopes as a whole has been debunked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Therefore, uh, they, to, they don't accept Snopes yeah. as anything because Metabunk has been debunked. <clears throat> right? Yeah. There's websites yeah. that have you as some horrible person. And <laughs> uh, uh, well, we've been talking for over an oh, hour yeah. now, so yeah. this has been great, though. It's been very, very yeah. interesting, and it's been really good catching up with you again. Uh, is there anything uh, you want to finish out with? Anything? Any points you think we didn't cover? No. Uh, the, I love the new podcasts. They're entertaining, and I've tried to share them with my conspiracy friends because I think it's it's um, you know the topic is right in their ballpark, and I think it, right. it could do some good. Well, tell them they can come on the podcast. You know, find okay, uh, well, the most eloquent one of your friends and uh, send them over, or, or anybody who will come on the podcast. Uh, I'll be happy <laughs> yeah, to right. talk to any of them. Okay, sounds good. All right, Willie. Well. Cool.